1: Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is the score. WSER and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. station presented by Bet rivers sportsbook
2: good saturday morning chicago welcome inside the clubhouse right here on 670 the score and your odyssey app broadcasting live from the hyundai score studios i'm david haw along with score baseball expert bruce levine talking baseball until 11 o'clock likely we do 52 saturdays a year and today marking the end of what has literally been a historic week in Chicago baseball, the memorable kind for a Cub and the forgettable type for the White Sox. Good morning, Bruce. How are you?
3: Good morning, David. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, with um, Labor Day upon us soon and back to school and uh, no team in Chicago over 500, it, it does uh, lead you to other thoughts, you know, and, uh, you know, your thoughts probably if you were the – baseball fan like you and I are out there listening to the show it's about um what's going to be the rest of the year for our, our White Sox are the Cubs uh building toward 2023 like they did in 2014 into 2015 uh some of those thoughts there but uh we're going to stick with today and where the teams are at right now at 312-644-6767 okay. is where you find David and me and uh and let's let's start uh, south, okay? Well,
2: we can start south because that's the way things are headed for the White Sox. And it looks like that they have had uh, a tough month, Bruce. When you roped me into doing the show for another baseball season, I didn't think that we would be sitting here the last Saturday in August talking about two teams wow. in town looking wow. in, headed different directions. The wow. last 20 games, get this, the last 20 games, Cubs are 12-8. and eight. Sox? 9 and 11, which one of those teams is chasing a playoff spot, really? Come on.
3: Well, you know, look, it's a fair question, David. Uh, there's you know, I, I've always been a very positive uh, idea. I've had positive ideas all along that the White Sox would eventually get to that 2019 status that Washington did, uh, that um, the Atlanta Braves did last year, late in the season. Uh, gaining ground and eventually winning the World Series. Uh, and uh, after being mediocre to say the least for the first 110, 120 games. But with 36 games left, David, uh, you just you just wonder, you know you wonder right now, was Thursday night the night that people will look back on and go, that was the jumping off point one way or another for the White Sox? Right now, you know, they are in a two and seven skid. And uh, that was the, uh, that's of of all the games this season, uh, that that's the game that stands out to me as a real, a real Waterloo type situation for the Chicago White Sox.
2: I think you're right. That might've been the point of no return for you, for many Sox fans lost to the uh, Baltimore Orioles, the way that it went down. We'll get to the details in a moment. What do you think? 312-644-6767. We've got a great show Plan. We've got Nico Horner at the bottom of the hour, nine thirty. We've got Kurt Bloom on Project Birmingham, the voice down in Birmingham, the Sox's double A affiliate, where they are having a instructional league approach to the month of August and the remainder of the season. We'll talk to him about that at ten o'clock. And then Alec Thomas, the fine center fielder from the Diamondbacks, will join us at ten forty. You're probably wondering why would you talk to a Diamondback center fielder? Well, he's the pride of Mount Carmel. His father was Alan Thomas, the longtime Director of Strength and Conditioning for the White Sox, who was let go last offseason. And, Bruce, he had a terrific game last night, so that's why we're going to talk to Alec Thomas at 1040. But let's go back to Thursday night. That's the history that I was alluding to. Kyle Stowers comes to the plate and hits a foul ball. Adam Engel, you got one job. Defensive replacement, catch it, catch the ball. Drops a foul pop-up. 0-2 pitch, Liam Hendricks on the mound. Hasn't given up a home run on 0-2 in four years. So what does Kyle Stowers do in his first full week as a major leaguer? He goes deep for his first career home run as a major leaguer. And the White Sox snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory, and the Orioles win that game in extras. And that, to me, Bruce, I think you're right. I don't know how you recover from that, and I think we saw last night maybe the residue of that defeat. Johnny Cueto didn't well, have it, but the Sox lose 7-2. to
3: You know, the – the Diamondbacks, along with uh, Alec Thomas, who, who had a sensational game defensively, as did uh, uh, Dalton Varsho, their right fielder, sometimes catcher, Gary Varsho's son from the old days from the yeah. Chicago Cubs, uh, <laughs> from, uh, from Wisconsin, you know, from Marshfield, Wisconsin. Uh, these guys took away some extra base hits from the White Sox. They could have gotten back into that game, but that, probably that's not the point. The point is, I believe, is is that the White Sox have played way, way, way too many games that are three to two, that are four to three, that they don't score more than three runs. Uh, that that has been the downfall of the Chicago White Sox in 2022. Uh, you can talk about pitching like Cueto not being there last night. Cueto, uh, if if indeed. That um, Dylan Cease is the Cy Young of the White Sox, and in the conversation for that award, Johnny Cueto is the MVP of the Chicago White Sox this year. I don't, I don't think anybody can argue with him helping them stay in the race at all um, during their tough times. Uh, he's entitled to a game like that. My point is, they don't score enough runs. They don't hit any home runs. Okay. it's an impossibility. We knew with the humidor this year that baseball home runs were going to be down. We knew the ball was dumbed down, but we didn't know that uh, the leading home run hitter in the White Sox was going to have 14 home runs after 126 games. Okay. That, that number is just mind boggling to me. Uh, Injuries played a big part of it. Uh, The main guys like Eloy and, uh, and, uh, and robert have been out a lot but i, I just uh, you know the record is under 500 at home they don't hit home runs that is a huge huge factor for the white Sox being mediocre this year
2: absolutely true good points bruce and well stated i want to pay off the history tees so besides last night in the cubs victory over the brewers extra innings that was as good of a victory as they've had in a while and they've had some good ones Ian Happ became the only major league player of the modern era to have two multi-home, multi-run home runs for his team's only two hits of the game. The Cubs scored f- four runs, done two hits, and they were both dingers from Happ. So that was the history part for the Cubs, you want to remember. The forgettable part for the White Sox was the game that you referenced Thursday night, the one that I think you've termed it their Waterloo. And I love that uh, notion, Bruce. Kyle Stowers – became the first hitter in the expansion era since 1961 to hit a game-tying or go-ahead home run with their team down to the final out in a bat that featured a dropped foul ball error. So when Adam Engel botched that foul ball, that fly ball that he was in the game to catch, his only job, it set up Kyle Stowers' history-making moment, and the Sox, may not recover from that one you're you're right about johnny cueto he he's entitled to have a clunker like he did last night bruce but i don't think that team again came out like they were determined committed it wasn't obvious that they were coming in to like start okay we're gonna start things turning around tonight at home for the season's longest homestand
3: well you know injuries again have played a big part we have to we have to tell the truth about that as well and uh You know, you don't have Robert, you have Mancata out now, okay? Anderson's probably done for the year, you know, at the the earliest, way at the end of September. Uh, These are realities, harsh realities. I don't know how many teams can survive that and still be at 500. Uh, Again, they have 36 games to be able to try to prove something here. Cleveland certainly looks like a team that's going to win the division right now. It's not a lock, but... They've been playing that type of ball. I love their pitching. Uh, I, I always liked the White Sox pitching all year long. I love Cleveland's pitching. Uh, they, they seem to be in every ball game. They seem to get enough offense. So uh, wild card is you know, out of the question at this point for anybody in the, in the central division of the American League.
2: And, Bruce, the White Sox, obviously they didn't lose any ground last night and they're still kind of hanging around. In September, strange things can happen. And I think we always have to qualify all of our declarations with that, you know, kind of conditional that, well, anything can happen. It's baseball. But I think that you get the sense after seeing what happened last night and you, you get the sense of the native being restless, if you will, the fan base is starting to respond and the fan base is getting uh, as – as upset as they have been all year. And that spilled out last night. And the booze at the end of the game, which were appropriate, is what Tony Larusa. if we have that cut, Sean, we are ready to hear from Tony Larusa talking about the fans reacting after the latest White Sox loss.
4: They came to see us win a ball game. We got beaten. And for most of the game, I mean, the lopsided, right? They have every right to be upset. The team, manager, whatever they want. I mean, they got every right to do it. But I'm just saying that the fact that they were here and they did say, let's go White Sox, there's amazing amazing fan support here. And I've got plenty of experience. But there ain't no free lunch. You know, it's a two-way relationship. They support you. you got to give back. So we gotta, we got to do more about giving back.
2: Yeah, Bruce, there are a lot of menu options out at the Guaranteed Rate Field, but ain't no free lunch. Tony's
3: right. You know where that, that, that derives from? Uh, no I don't. Tell me. Okay, so back in the early 1900s, we'll go in the way back machine. No, I wasn't there, but I (laughs) no, you didn't cover that. My father and my grandparents were. Um, Back then, uh, the working man uh, had nowhere to go to eat, so saloons started giving uh, eggs with beer when you go in there, and that was called a free lunch. So, so all of a sudden, the working man went in at noon. They had a beer and they had a hard-boiled egg, and that was their free lunch. Uh, that's where the term "no free lunch" comes from. And if it's not true, it's a good story anyway. That's a good story, Bruce. I had no idea. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. Uh, so with Tony so around for, for the, that, no. No, but for the <laughs> listeners that are left on the station right now, uh, <laughs> you you have to you have to listen to to Larusa talk, and and you do understand it was Elvis night at the ballpark. There were 33,000 people strong. Uh, they weren't turned off by Chuck Garfines' imitation of Elvis in the postgame. It wasn't that. It was it was the way that they got uh, beaten up and beaten up early by an Arizona team that, frankly, you, you know, buy your tickets, you know, early in the season or midseason, you go, hey, let's go watch them, you know, beat up on the Diamondbacks. They're not really a very good ball club. Uh, let, let's watch them play some pennant chasing baseball here, and it was a clunker from the beginning. So, uh, White Sox fans never pull any punches. That's what I love about them. Uh, they, they let you know how they feel, and, and La Russa was just, you know, saying, hey, every right in the world, best fans in the world, uh, but they're good baseball fans. They, they let you know how they feel. They should, because what happened in
2: Thursday night in Baltimore was avoidable. It, three errors again. The White Sox continue to make the little mistakes that, that hurt them in a big way. Big picture-wise, this is a sloppy, fundamental team, and it has been all season long. You don't get the sense it of watching them gear. It was last year, David.
3: It was last well, year, but they, they, out-pitched, they out-pitched and they out-hit their mistakes. Okay, They are not able to do that this year. I mean, they were not a good base running team last year. They were not a good defensive team last year. It showed up in the second half of the season where there were a 500 team uh, and injuries to their pitching staff last year started to take its toll. So these things are, are just magnified every single night when you don't score enough runs. And maddening because at the end of last season, those things were true and they
2: understood and realized that. And in recognizing that, they failed to address that in the offseason, whether it was a point of emphasis or in in changing the roster to give yourself more protection against your defensive lapses, get players who understand the little things who are where those are their strengths, not guys who aren't kind of geared or wired that way because the white Sox have a lot of guys who aren't
3: geared or wired that way. David, the one thing that's missing is that that Tim Anderson energy level from last year. Okay. That, uh, you know we're, we're the Chicago White Sox. We're in your face. That was built up three, four years ago uh, when Anderson took on the whole Kansas City Royals team, you know, about what he wanted to do, how he wanted to play. The, there just hasn't been uh, that swagger. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that you're playing close games and you're losing close games. But th- that has been missing. And, and you know when you you talk about uh, White Sox having fun, it's hard to have fun when you have this many games that are so close and, and you're fighting every other night to win a ball game because that's how it's worked out for 126 games they've won every other night.
2: I agree. I think the contrast was summed up when I was watching the Cubs last night win that game and come back, and, and you saw Nick Madrigal make a really heads-up play at second base. Ground ball to him. He tagged out the runner who, didn't, who failed to get out of his way, and then he threw to first base to get the double play to end it, and it was one of those moments where you're like, okay, that's a smart play. That's a heads-up move. Now, Magical has had his moments as well. I know that, but it just underscored what what right now, in the month of August, the Cubs are doing right, what the White Sox are doing wrong, and the difference between the two teams has been, as much as anything, the fact that, yeah, there have been injuries, but the White Sox don't seem as plugged in as sometimes the Cubs, who are a little bit more competitive and play smart baseball.
3: Before we go to the phones, the theme for the show is Are we watching the last days of Jose Abreu and Wilson Contreras as your Chicago iconic players? 312 644 6767. Will you enjoy the last five weeks knowing that it is likely that you will not see them in the same uniforms next year?
2: The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet Smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com. That's where we find Paul is in Valpo. Good morning, Paul. Welcome inside the clubhouse.
5: Good morning, guys. Uh, great show as always.
2: Uh, yeah, I know I usually uh, talk Cubs, uh, and I very rarely agree with Steve Stone, but
5: he said something earlier in the week, I think it was earlier this week, that the White Sox need to change the culture instead of change the uh, game. And I think that goes back, Bruce, you just talked about that. Tim Anderson started talking about changing the game four or five years ago he hasn't played more than 123 games since 2018. So he's part of the problem with this injury-riddled team, and you can always blame it on injuries, but the Mets lost to Grom and Scherzer pretty much this whole season, and and they seem to be doing okay. So I think there's a lot of a lot of excuses for the players, and I listen to the score a lot, and you guys aren't, you know, you you guys are not the culprits of this. It's more the, the group that comes on after uh, Mully and Haw, and, and again, I know you're not going to comment on other groups, but All the blame has been placed on Tony La Russa. How about Rick Hahn? Like you said, they knew what they had to do, and they didn't make those changes in the offseason to make this team better. It was a 500 team in the second half of the year. They haven't changed the game because they've won one playoff game. They've made the playoffs a couple times. So I think this group has really kind of rested on their laurels that they haven't really done enough. And it starts with, you said, Tim Anderson. I think he's talked a lot. Uh, Liam Hendricks has talked a lot. Joe Kelly's talked a lot. It's, it's a lot of talk and not a lot of action. And you, you continue to get players hurt and there's no culpability for the players. I know you guys do, but other shows in a score want to blame Tony La Russa for everything. And I, and I get it. He is part of part of the problem. He's the manager of the team, but when he came in, they didn't want him to mess with the culture. It was this young group of hungry players that continue to get hurt, to continue to play bad baseball. And yes, if they can't homer their way out of it, this is what they are. They're a 500 team for the last year. So,
2: Good call, Paul. Appreciate it. That's a good, uh, good reaction, Bruce. I would just say this. It is a shared responsibility, and the White Sox have struggled in August, and I think it's not a coincidence they didn't do much at the deadline. They're 9-11 in the last 12 games, and that's a, a big part. Of, they never got that spark that I think they desperately needed, and the fire that Johnny Cueto said that uh, they needed, it, it really it came yeah. back, but then it was doused.
3: And Laruse has not hit a home run the whole season, you know, David. I I blame him for, that, for the lack of offense as well. All right. Well, we will continue this conversation about the White Sox,
2: but we were going to shift to the Cubs because we're going to talk to their fine young shortstop, Nico Horner. He joins inside the clubhouse when we get back. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
1: With more inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670, The Score and 670TheScore.com, a Radio.Com Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Infield in, all the way around. Ian Happ drives one in the air, deep right field. Back goes Renfro. It's got a chance. It's gone. Ian Happ has done it again. His second two-run home run of the game. And the Cubs lead four to two here in the 10th.
2: Thanks for joining us this Saturday morning inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score David Hall, Bruce Levine, until 11 o'clock. And yes, that was the voice of Cubs Hall of Famer Pat Hughes calling Ian Happ's home run last night. One of two home runs home runs that Ian Happ hit, and it was history last night, Bruce. He became the only major league player of the modern era to have two multi-run homers for his team's only two hits of the game. And this is get ready for a story problem here, Bruce. He also became the first guy to lead off an inning with a two run home run. How did that happen?
3: Uh, There was another man on base. Why? That's how it became. a The Manfred man, right? Because there was a man, the man was put there. Yes. the the invisible the invisible shrinking player at second base See, Bruce uh, the, 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 the worst can't... rule in the wor- worst rule in baseball history <laughs> of getting David we talked about no free lunch okay yes. yeah tell... that, get not earning your your way on base is the most ridiculous rule that's ever been created you know tell that to the oh, guy standing you know, on we're second tired of this right tiger. Yeah, we're tired. Ty- we're tired of this tie game. Let's put a man at second base and get this blankety blank game over with. Careful, we don't Careful. want it to go too long. It's Bruce. been, in- it's been, it's Bruce. been interesting till now, but now it's t- now it's time to end. It's Listen, a, it I, a I'll tolerate grumpy Bruce, but over. not profanity. Come on, that has no place on inside the clubhouse. <laughs> Blinkety-blink uh, is not pro- for. Okay, you
2: were coming close though. Anyway, you want to we hear digress.
3: I'll call you after the show.
2: No, okay, thank you. Look, the Cubs are playing good baseball, Bruce. We saw that last night against the Brewers. They're beaten. You know, they they lost the series to the Cardinals, but it was very competitive. And the Cardinals are, you know, playing very well right now, atop the Central Division. The Brewers are struggling. The Cubs, you know, win the first game of that series. They've won five of the past six series, Bruce. Twelve and eight in 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 the last 20 games, as I said, only six teams in baseball are better. In your mind, and before we get to Nico Horner, what are they doing best? What are they doing right?
3: Pitch, pitch, and more pitch. Their their pitching has been outstanding. Uh, And getting Smiley back healthy, getting uh, Marcus Stroman back healthy, that's been a big part of it. Uh, It's taken a little of the pressure off of uh, Thompson and, uh, uh, you know, Uh, some of the other younger pitchers that have been going there, Samson as well. Samson's pitched some nice games for him, not the last time out, but, you know, just, uh, you know, just the uh, the pressure not being there. And let's be honest, even though they play, you know, each other 20 times, the National League uh, is still a very below average team uh, league when it comes to scoring runs. So if you get good pitching, you can be in the race anytime. The Dodgers are an elite team in the National League. The Mets are an elite team. Atlanta is an elite team. I'll stop right there. Okay. Uh, there are a couple of other good teams. San Diego has been. They haven't been lately. Philadelphia has been lately. But you know, I, I just think that uh, that going to the National League. You know, you you see you see a little bit better pitching every night. You see less hitting. Uh, so. From that perspective, the Cubs have really been a very good team since the All Star break.
2: And one of the biggest reasons why Bruce is their shortstop, and he is going to be joining us now on the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. That's where we find Nico Horner. Good morning, Nico. Thanks for joining us inside the clubhouse. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. It's doing. We're doing very well. Uh, let's start with last night. That was a terrific victory because. It's historic. You only get two hits, and Ian Hap carried the <laughs> night. It was the Ian Hap game. But it oh, just, shoot. to me, reflected just, Nico, you guys are locked in and seem to be doing the little things right. Overall, how would you describe just this, this past month of what has been really good baseball on the north side?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it all starts with starting pitching. Just a really impressive performance last night from Steele and the consistency we've had in general for since the All-Star break has been pretty impressive and, you know, unfortunate with the, the health we didn't have in the early parts of the year, but nice to see it coming together and what that can look like.
3: Nico, uh, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure having you on with us on a Saturday morning. Um, when you look at the, the Brewers-Cubs, uh, last year there were some really tough games against Milwaukee where you guys got, you know, humiliated a few times, and, and that, that's, that's not an easy thing when you only win four times uh, in 19 games against a team. People ask me all the time, is there a carryover from one season to another? Is there a, a muscle memory that goes along with that, uh, that you remember that, and does that impact the next year as to uh, how you guys match up and play a, a team that really had your number the season before?
4: yeah I mean I didn't realize it was it was that extreme last year obviously it's a team that's had a lot of success lately with um you know, strong pitching and uh, experienced core of players so uh, that's a team you definitely uh want to measure up against when you are um, rebuilding or getting back into playoff contention yourself so to play close games with them like we have recently and um, come out on top in some some one run games especially I think that's a uh, Yeah, it's a good sign and really, really meaningful games to learn from.
2: Nico, this season you've been terrific. Uh, uh, Defensively, the metrics back it up, and anybody watching understands. Also with the plate, you've been very consistent. It probably goes deeper than just you've stayed healthy because you have stayed healthy for the most part, how would you describe what a lot of people have referred to as, if not a breakout season, it certainly confirmed a lot of the things that the Cubs believed they were getting when they drafted you.
4: Um, Yeah, I think it's just been a nice uh, solid progression throughout the year. I think that for me, it's been a, a really good learning process, just mentally, physically, everything that goes into playing every day throughout an entire season, you know, that continues for the rest of the year and, um, you know, tons of things I can do better and still learning every day, especially some of the smaller things that really make the difference in winning in these ball games. And that's where games like last night are so valuable and just awesome to get that experience. So, yeah, it's been, it's been okay. Just uh, still learning and getting better. And I feel like I'm in a good place to, to finish the season on a strong note.
3: You know, building blocks together, uh, getting, you know, with your teammates all year long, um, People have described you already, even some of the veterans uh, that are no, no longer here, some of the bullpen guys that were traded, as a, as a young leader on this team already. How, how does that happen for a guy like yourself? Uh, is that just something that uh, is within the individual? Uh, is it something that you had when you played everywhere uh, growing up in uh, high school and college? W- where does that leadership come from that other people identify in you?
4: I mean, I think, I think it comes from, you know, I really do love, I love playing and I think that that comes across. Um, But I think it's, it's just consistently checking in with guys building relationships, talking the game, you know, I'm not not giving any crazy motivational speeches or anything these days, but you know, I I do really enjoy being out there. And I think we got a chance to to build something special here and just continuing to go day by day and building relationships with people along the way. And, um, you know, and, enjoying other people's success when you hear them talk about something and then put it into action and taking pride in all the, those those things that happen throughout a year. I think it, it all kind of adds up, and it really just comes down to being close with the people around you and, and going out and competing every day.
2: Talking with Nico Horner here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score, David Hall, Bruce Levine. Nico, if you had to evaluate your game yourself and you can be your toughest critic, it seems – when going into the off season, I know you have a month to go, but what would you say would be the area of emphasis for you moving forward? Because as much as you've taken a step this year, it seems, you probably want to continue to progress in the right direction. What would you say would be your emphasis?
4: Um, yeah, it's it's been, it's been pretty good. I think, like, on the off- offensive side, just, you know, continuing to, you know, Embrace my top skill as contact, but learning how that fits into driving the ball more and and uh, pitch selection and facing pitchers multiple times and just playing that game with them and uh, that's something that just comes comes along with with more seasons and more at bats and this is the most at bats I've had in the season and a lot of benefit within that so just um, continuing to give myself chances to to drive the ball and something I can do better than I have. And, um, but knowing that comes with time and not forcing too much, but yeah, tons of room for improvement there. I think on the basis too, I've stolen some bags this year, but I can do a better job of that. Uh, It's it's all parts of the game. And I think, you know, I've always taken pride in being a a complete player and just continuing, continuing that progression.
3: So I want to take you back to uh, spring training, 2021, as much as you don't want to go there. And uh, you you have a terrific spring training. You hit over 400. You, you play all over the place and you play magnificently and you go to the minor leagues. Uh, then you go through a 2021 season where you only are able to play 44 games. You hit 300, but in numerous injuries. What what do you take from adversity uh, and those things to make yourself a better uh, player and, and a better person uh, coming out of it? Because Uh, A lot of people could have crawled up in a little ball and, and, uh, you know, gone away and their career could have gone uh, sideways. In your case, uh, you know, it seems like you built upon some of this adversity.
4: Yeah. I mean, if you look at baseball careers in general, there's not a whole lot of them that are just linear and smooth from when you're drafted all the way through the end of your career. So it's going to come at some point kind of the nature of our game. Um, But I think yeah, just it comes with a lot of a lot of gratitude for when you are healthy and at this level, and you know, just able able to play, even if it's not perfect, just just able to play and have that opportunity. I think I have a pretty strong daily appreciation of that, just from some things that I've experienced, and um, yeah, I think that the game is demanding and it is every day, but there's a lot of joy within it too, and um, not letting. Not letting other things take that away from you, and really taking that with you everywhere you go, because uh, you know it can be it can be gone in a second for sure.
2: Nico, speaking of some of that pride and joy in the game, I wondered what your reaction was when your Stanford teammate Kyle Stowers, ruined the White Sox oh, okay. night the other night when they hit an O two yeah. a pitch from uh, Liam Hendricks out of the park and made history and, and gave the Orioles that victory. Uh, were you watching? Did you? If you talked to him, what was your relationship like with uh, Kyle Stowers?
4: Uh, I didn't see it live, but obviously saw it. Um, just, just laugh. We're seeing him run around the bases, his hair bobbing all over the place, and just big smile. Putting on a chain in the dugout, and just like really, really a fun person to play with. Great energy. Uh, really special hitter, and um, they've got a lot of talent in that organization right now. So I hope he's a big part of that to come. I should have a fantasy football draft with him in half an hour uh, So <laughs> um, after we get done with this call. So that'll be my, my next thing I take on this morning. Um, but, yeah, super happy for him. He's, a, he's an awesome person and special hitter.
3: Uh, Nico, when, when you were asked yesterday, uh, some of the media people that are uh, up in Milwaukee asked you about, you know, some of those big contracts that are being signed by young players that are important players on those franchises for the future uh where do where do your thoughts go for yourself uh and uh, you know in particular you see uh Ian Happ approaching his final year of arbitration the White Sox Cubs are using you and him as when they talk about building blocks for this next uh great Cubs team are you hoping something like that a long-term deal is in your future or do you not allow that to uh creep into your thoughts as you're completing your season here
4: yeah, I mean it's been a been, definitely been a hot topic. Um, you know, selfishly, I would love for Ian to sign a, a massive contract extension and be around. because I really love playing baseball with him. Um, but uh, and personally, you know, the that's uh, contract talk is more something I would keep personal. But um, you know, playing playing for the Cubs is an incredibly attractive thing. I think being here from um, some of these tougher seasons through our next great team and and next World Series championship would be one of the most satisfying things you could do in a career. I think it'd be incredible with the fan base that we have and the relationships you'd build along the way. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, being a cub is not a, not a hard sell at all. So, um, yeah, I love it here. I'm going to go by day by day. There's so much, so much to do in the meantime. Um, but yeah, it's awesome seeing young players get, get what they want and what they deserve.
2: Nico, I think Ian Happ did say a couple of weeks ago on the air—he's uh, a weekly guest on the Bernstein and Holmes show—that you have an uncanny knack for identifying the launch angle and exit velocity, and <laughs> always very close to the to the correct number. It, how how do you explain that one? And is that true?
4: Uh, I, I think it just comes from from playing a lot of baseball <laughs> and Wrigley uh, Field. They flash it they flash it pretty quickly after every batted ball, and so. Uh, even if it's a foul ball, I usually give it a glance and say some numbers in my head to myself, and just another thing to keep going and keep you fresh, keep you paying attention, and um, yeah, you start to get an idea of <laughs> just what it looks like and different balls that are productive and balls that are consistently out. and this is just a fun thing. Nothing that's impacting my game too much, but always, always watching.
3: Last one from me and Nico, uh, David, and I really appreciate your time and we're not going to mess with your fantasy league, uh, picking, uh, not here, very you know. serious. <laughs> well, I know you changed the time so you could be on time for that one. I know that, you know, so that, that was a good <laughs> on your part, but, uh, as far, as far as, uh, looking at this team and, uh, and how it's being built right now, what are your thoughts? I mean, you, you see a lot of young players coming up and contributing right away. Uh, you see guys that, um, fit right in right away. Uh, is it is it the culture that's created by ross and the coaching staff and the players that are there that allow this to happen what, what are your thoughts because you've been around a little bit for now I mean this this is your third year you'll be going into your fourth
4: I think what rossi's done a really nice job of is is having the players players back throughout um, you know pr- praising the things we can't control regardless of the outcome, but while still prioritizing winning. And um, I think he's just done a a really nice job of of balancing those two things. That's a a really hard thing to do. I think so. He does a good job of knowing when and how to use his voice and really making that meaningful. Um, So I I appreciate the tone that he's set throughout. Um, I think the really nice to see some guys, especially on the pitching side come up this year and, um, the contributions we've had, both starters and relievers, and um, you know, just hoping that there's more of that to come. You see, so, so many of the great teams, they just they're consistently bringing up arms that are impacting their their teams deep into postseason runs, and um, I think that's a, a key a key part of it. And it seems like we're we've made some nice steps towards that. Obviously, I don't see what's going on on the minor league side on a daily basis, but um, you know, that's going to be a, a big part of our future here for sure.
2: And, Nico, just one last one for me before we let you go, and it's a very deep, serious one. So, who's your first pick in your fantasy football draft? And if it's anybody but Christian McCaffrey, are you going to have some explaining to do?
4: <laughs> you know, I'm going to be honest, guys. I'm a, I'm winging this thing for sure. Um, might do a little bit of research, but uh, last year I accidentally drafted Cooper Cup, and it turned out pretty well. So, I'm, I'm hoping for some <laughs> similar, similar luck. <laughs>
2: Well, good luck with your draft and good luck with the Brewers. And, really, it's been a joy talking to you and watching you progress this season on behalf of every baseball fan in Chicago. Um, Congratulations and keep it going. So, thanks for joining us this morning, Nico.
4: Yeah, thank you, guys. Always fun. Appreciate it. Nico
2: Nico. Horner, Cubs shortstop right here on Inside the Clubhouse Brew. So, we're going to continue this Cub conversation. Jed Hoyer, very interesting stuff. Earlier in the week when we were both out at Wrigley Field, talked about the comparisons to this cub team and 2014 let's talk about that next when we come back inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score
1: we're back with more inside the clubhouse with bruce levine and david haw on sports radio 670 the score and 670 the score.com We've, um, you know, that, that sort of started to even out here just a little bit but i would love that if we could finish if we could finish. In a way, is sort of similar to 2014. I that was, uh, like I said, it gave us confidence going into the
2: offseason that that what we were building on was was fairly close. Thanks for listening to Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7, score, David Hall, Bruce Levine. That was Jed Hoyer. Bruce, on uh, Thursday, comparing this little run the Cubs are on to 2014, they had a very good August in 2014. I don't think September went that great but do you see the same types of comparisons jed hoyer does i know what he's talking about bruce i don't know if the young stars are in place the young guys that you could identify as as obvious building blocks but i do think the trend feels similar
3: it it does feel similar but you know at at that point uh you know they were they were bringing up and ready to bring up chris bryant in 15 Uh, they were ready to bring up uh schwarber they were ready to bring up, um, you know, uh, guys, uh, you know, Hendricks was going into form. You saw the uh, evolution of Jake Arietta from being a uh, throwaway from the Baltimore Orioles to being one of the top pitchers in baseball. So I, I think that team was further along on the rebuild. Uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, the Cubs uh, hierarchy are not looking at it as it's time to start plugging in some free agents here to get this thing moving. Who is the next John Lester yeah. uh, for the Chicago Cubs? That's the it? question I think, David, uh, it's a, it's a good, it's a good question. I, I don't know who that guy is out there You know, is it one of the shortstops available? Is it a uh, pitcher? There are hardly uh, very few pitchers out there that are available uh, starting pitchers to help augment this staff. Uh, I think that would be a key if you could find a, a veteran pitcher out there that's going to go into the mix. Uh, big picture you know, wise, tri- yeah. Big picture wise,
2: Bruce. Let me ask you this before we break: they were committed to spending when 2014 was over. You went they they invested in Lester. They eventually invested in Hayward. Big contracts. Is there any question that the Cubs would be willing to do the same thing now? Be willing to open up the the, you know, get out the proverbial checkbook and start writing the big checks for the kind of players that you just described that are necessary to take that next step?
3: I mean, I, I don't see why not. They spent $71 million on Stroman, right? They spent uh, an, an awful lot of money on uh, Suzuki as well and the commitment there. Uh, I, I I You and I and everyone else was were shocked that they stopped short after that, okay? That there were, you know, it was like, OK, we've done enough. Well, you know, we you know, I heard rumblings in December uh, right before the lockout that they were going to uh, that they had already talked to, uh, you know, Correa about a long term contract, but not a 10 year contract, a five, six or seven year contract that he was not going to sign. Well, will will the same mentality exist going into this offseason. Uh, love the Cub history, but uh, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. Will they be fighting that mentality going into the offseason?
2: One of the other things Jed Hoyer mentioned was the Cubs are ranked 10th by MLB Pipeline in terms of the minor league system. The White Sox aren't as high. They're 26, I believe, according to the latest rankings, and they're trying to do something about that. They're having Project Birmingham, we're calling it, and we're going to go down there next to talk to The Voice of the Birmingham Barons. Kurt Bloom is going to join us next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.